Hi, everybody. Welcome to the September 21st, 2016, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Gazzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the Grand Doozy concert event held at Overland Golf Course last weekend. While there were some complaints from neighbors, overall, the event was deemed a success. Officials put the total count of attendees right around 55,000. Patty Cahoon from Westward, you're used to events with 55,000 people or more. Uh, from what you could gather from what we've heard from the Grand Doozy event, uh, what do you think? Well, I have those in, just in my backyard, the 55,000 people. The numbers are a little less than we had heard originally they wanted to bring in, but by all accounts, except the financial accounts, which we haven't heard yet, it was a success. It was a doozy of a time. Everyone had a good time unless you were in the line for Uber on Friday night or unless you came out to your house the next morning and found out that someone had urinated in your flower beds, which happened in a few times. But even the neighbors who were very cynical about it seemed to be willing to have Grand Doozy come back. Craig Silverman, attorney with Silverman & Levis, also a talk show host every Saturday morning at KNUS 710. Uh, do you think Overland Golf Course or maybe City Park or other places in Denver will be hosting big events like this due to the success of Grand Doozy? Um, I think Overland is more suited to it. It's flat as Kansas out there. It's the Denver's oldest golf course, and I played it many times in the uh, Denver Prep League. But truth be told, they grand doozied without me this year. And uh, that Little Street, Florida, to get all those people through. But Overland, Overland survived a lot, including the KKK and the South Platte flooding. They'll survive, and I'm glad because I used to go there to try to break 70. Now I go there to try to break 80, and I hope to live long enough to hope to break 90. <laughs> I imagine that will, that will indeed be the case. Penfield Tate, attorney with QTAC Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. Uh, Penn, what's your estimation of the success and what that success might mean in the future? You know, I, I think we have to be careful here to measure what success is and by whose estimate. Um, We'll, we'll see what the numbers indicate financially in terms of whether the promoters made money off of it. Um, we'll find out if the city made money off of it. Um, I do know that a number of the neighbors, and particularly some of the golfers, would not deem any of it a success, and they're still uh, a bit upset over the, the event being held. Um, whether they do anything to try to block future events uh, is unknown at this point. Michael Fields rounds up the panel, executive director with Colorado Rising Action. Uh, Michael, do you think this is going to lead to more concerts in places, maybe not over the golf course, but maybe City Park or other places in Denver? I think it could. Uh, it seems like it was a pretty big success. Uh, besides transportation, was a little bit rough getting there. Um, I think this has a five-year contract, so maybe my family and I, uh, especially if Stevie Wonder comes back, we might be there uh, next year. But I think people expect traffic. They expect noise. Uh, I think the big thing is always cleanup. And every report that came out said that cleanup was really good. It's, you know, opposed to the 420 event uh, at Civic Center Park that was a disaster. So I think as long as they, uh, you know, do what they're supposed to do, clean things up, I think there will be more of them. That's a very Colorado thing to do. Keep, pick up after yourself, and we'll do it again. Colorado Governor John Hickluber officially formed the Giddy Up PAC this week, renewing talks that he's interested in re running for president in 2020. The PAC allows him to raise money and is seen as the first major step in building a presidential campaign. Uh, Patty, you have, uh, you have known John Hickluber for a long time. I think this was kind of expected, but this is a big step. It's a public step. What do you think? Well, I've known him since he opened the Denver's Colorado's first brew pub. Um, met him the first day there because old friends of mine were, were his partners. Uh, didn't anticipate him running for president at the time when he was opening a brew pub. 
You know, it would be great to have another Colorado candidate for president. We had Gary Hart once and then almost twice. I believe we had Pirate the Dog at one point. I give Hickenlooper a lot better chance than Pirate the Dog. He's not polling well at the moment, but what, we have 30 different people saying they're looking at a run. When Hickenlooper first ran for mayor, and he, when he first announced, and he's not to the point of announcing, um, he got 3% in a poll, so he can certainly beat the odds. It would be fun to see him debate Trump. I mean, that is hard to argue. So he's getting, he's done, he's 66, he's done as governor in January. Why not explore this? So setting up the giddy-up pack is a great way to do it. It doesn't mean he will ultimately run, but certainly he's considering it. Craig, do you think this not only establishes a presidential run, but also, I guess, some national gravitas? Maybe he's not going to be a presidential candidate, but then he becomes uh, bigger in conversations about vice presidential pick, a potential cabinet if a Democrat were to win. Does it build up that uh, resume, if you will? Well, of course it does, but I'm looking for him to go all the way. I'm not saying he will, uh, but he's got a decent chance in a crowded field, and he should not be taken for granted. I think the country may be looking for somebody the complete opposite of Trump. Hick's book was called The Opposite of Woe. Of course, Trump wrote Art of the Deal. But think about it. Hick is thin, the president not so much. Um, Trump born to a rich dad. Hick didn't even have a dad during his formative years. Trump doesn't drink alcohol. I hear that Hick does. And uh, uh, Hick, his vulnerability that he went to deep throat a porno with his mom Donald Trump had sex with a porn star while Melania was being a, a mom to Barron. So it would be quite a contrast. And speaking of presidential wives, Robin Pringle is putting a pep in his step. I've talked to him about it. He acknowledges it. She likes politics, and she's going to be a big part of this campaign. Think about Nathan Dunlap, though. Will he go all the way before he leaves office and give a reprieve? If Jared Polis is the governor... He may not have to, but I'm just thinking that he can't do anything that controversial, or maybe he can to get the Democrat primary vote. It'll be interesting. Let's see how much money he can collect. Penny, you've had a lot of experience watching uh, John Hickenlooper as a politician. Do you think he's cut out for a national presidential run? Well, we may find out. Uh, you know, clearly forming Giddy Up is, is the prelude to a run. Uh, it allows him to sort of travel around the country and get a sense of where his support base is in terms of votes uh, and, more importantly, money. Uh, I think John has a unique challenge, which will be interesting to see how this plays. As we talk about it, we all presume he's preparing this to pursue the Democratic nomination for president. And given his prior flirtation with um, Kasich and some other things, I'm not convinced that's necessarily a certainty, that that would be the path he would see moving forward. Um, don't know what Kasich is going to do and, and don't know what the rest of the field looks like. It is early enough. I think November will give us some indication about where the country is and what his possible um, avenues of success are. But, it, but it, Patty's right. If nothing else, it will be interesting to watch for, for Coloradans to just see somebody um, look at the Oval Office again. Michael, what do you think about the politics of Colorado? And, and I think that Hickenlooper can say legitimately he's done very well. He, 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 uh, three terms or three terms as mayor, uh, two terms, two. Uh, two terms as mayor, two terms Almost as governor, two. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's been successful here. Does that translate to other states? 
Well, I think he's popular here. That's, um, you know, every poll will show that. But I also think there's not a lot of people talking that are excited about him running for president that I've talked to besides his staff, besides the media following him around. Uh, I'm glad he's thinking about running. I think somebody needs to get eighth in the Democratic primary. Um, and it, it reminds me a lot about the, the 2012 Republican primary where you had 11 candidates at some point that were leading in the polls. I think that, you know, for, for the Democrats coming up in two years, it's going to be very similar to that. Uh, but the Democratic base, I mean, they're moving left. They want single payer. They want to ban fracking. They want to move closer to socialism. They want somebody fiery against Donald Trump. And that's not Hick. So I'm trying to figure out who his base would be. Uh, you know, there's business people that will get into this race that might take that. There's progressive governors and senators that will get in. So I just I don't really see a path for him winning that winning the nomination. Well, speaking of governors, let's take a look at the governor's race this week. Both candidates floated different ideas at campaign stops. Jared Polis said he's interested in lowering health care costs by importing drugs from Canada. Meanwhile, Walker Stapleton commented that a tax on sports betting in Colorado could help pay for roads in the state. Craig, there is many more things mentioned on the stump, but these two kind of jumped out at me to be fun and jump ball in here. Either one of them jump out to you as a good or terrible idea? Oh, yeah. Sports betting gets my attention, and I think it's coming to Colorado, of course. And I would have thought Jared Polis would jump on it because to be effective and profitable, you're going to have to put it on people's smartphones, and you're going to have to compete online if you offer a 5% vigorish as opposed to 10 you get more business, and you're going to try to beat other states, keep that income. I'm not sure it needs to be targeted as revenue to something like that, but good for Walker Stapleton saying, uh, okay, even if it's a vice, I'm for it. You'd expect that more from a Democrat. Will the pro-vice vote vote for Walker Stapleton? I'm not expecting that. Um, the race to me feels like it never started. I mean, I've heard about the health care plans. And I think the New York Times tried to kill the Walker-Stapleton campaign in its crib and then piled on by the Denver Post, Channel 4. And I think he's had a tough time. And Walker's not out there fighting. He hasn't been on my show. I expect him to be on my show at some point. But he's kind of avoiding the limelight. And maybe that's the way he thinks is best. But this race really hasn't caught traction the way I thought it would at the end of September. Craig, I absolutely agree. Before the program started, and Patty and I were talking, it, I, it doesn't felt that the, the juice of the campaign has started. And this was, I guess, what I would expect in August, before Labor Day. But we're past Labor Day. The, the ballots go out in just a couple of weeks. We're not talking about the, the dog days of summer here. Penn, what do you estimate that might be the reason what the general feel is that the campaign, at least has yet, in, in Craig's words, get traction? You know, I, I think I attribute it to something we've talked about many times on this show, in part the, the lingering death of the Denver Post. Um, there's just not a lot of active media coverage on this campaign. This show and, and, and those of us, we talk about the campaign more than a lot of other media outlets do. And so when all you have to do to gauge the campaign is to look at all these ads on TV that describe people that you've never met before, even though you know both of them in terms of, of, of how unflattering some of them are, um, you've got that going on. You've got the noise in the system from Washington, D.C., and the fact that the Post and most of the TV stations just aren't covering the campaign unless you're a hearty soul that wants to go to one of the, well, there are not very many of them, candidate debates or forums and hear the ideas and opinions. You wouldn't know what was going on. And I still run into people who can't name the two primary candidates in the race, which is disturbing. 
but um, it, well, that's where it is. Um, people, there's just no coverage. Michael, the, the headlines uh, throughout the primary was how many millions of dollars will be spent in this campaign, and that will certainly still be the case. Mm -hmm. There's still be millions of dollars spent on both sides, but I'm not sure if it's generating the, the type of energy, at least we expect it. What do you think? I think there's a lot of other things going on too, right? There's a AG's race. There's a lot of ballot issues that are have millions of dollars uh, poured in. You have the state senate is a big deal. I think it's one of the factors that's going on in November, and then all of the national stuff. You have a Supreme Court justice pick, you know, going through a confirmation hearing right now. Uh, so I think there's a lot going on. Um, but you know, Trump's numbers aren't good in Colorado, um, and Jared Polis has spent 20 million dollars of his own money in this race. Uh, but it's still a margin of error race, and I think that's because Polis, uh, you know, isn't very popular. Um, that his policies are looked at as too extreme. I think he should, in a year like this, should be running away from it. Uh, ballots drop in a month, and we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, I think there's just so many these ba these ballot issues are a big deal. Uh, Amendment 73, the setbacks. You're going to see a lot of money flood into that, and you know, it's drowning out. Uh, you know, making this governor's race a bigger deal. Patty, what do you think? We talked about before the show. What? Where's the juice? I think a lot of the juice was dried up by 90-degree days when people were out playing, out enjoying Colorado, leaf-peeping, and not wanting to pay attention to the election. Because even though the mail-in ballots has changed the timing of things, people aren't ready to start thinking about the election. It still feels kind of early to them. So I have to disagree with Penn. There is a fair amount of coverage, but you've got to search it out. The new Colorado Sun has done a lot. Colorado Politics has done a lot. Colorado Independent has done a lot. There's stories out there, but they aren't that easy to find, and people aren't looking for them yet because they don't have to make their decision yet. They were just out playing in the sun. Plus, on top of it, your head does hurt when you think about how many ballots you also need to think about. And the main coverage you are getting very easily is if you turn on your television and you just get pounded with endless, mostly ballot ads right now, or some, you know, some that are nasty, but some kind of nice polis ones that you just feel like you don't have to pay attention to that. We're all paying attention around the table, but I just get the feeling people aren't yet there. Several Colorado Democratic legislators are calling for sexual harassment training for two Republican Senate leaders this week. The demands were in response to comments made on social media that appeared to make light of the sexual assault claims made at the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Penn, uh, you are our longtime state lawmaker. Uh, we're in the era of social media and the Me Too movement. There's just issues rife throughout this point. What's your takeaway? You know, from a big picture perspective, the, the story is disappointing because citizens expect more of their elected representatives. They just expect at least a basic level of decency and common sense and decorum when you're serving. And all of these stories tend to make them jaded about the, 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 the elected officials and the, the various bodies. Um, with respect to the specific request, it seems to me that in light of all of the allegations that were made last year, whether founded or not, and I sat in for a portion of the Steve Lebsock hearing when they removed him from, from the House, um, if there's any sort of sexual harassment or other, um, you know, hostile work environment training, it needs to be given to the entire body and staff of the General Assembly. You shouldn't just single out two people because of their emailing. Um, and regrettably, what we've seen again on a national level is people don't always use good sense when they email and tweet. Um, and I don't know if you can train people to have good sense. At a certain point, 
um, you know, it is what it is, but it's, it's extremely disappointing and frustrating, and Colorado citizens deserve better than this. Michael, I think Pembroke has a good point about it being probably a good idea for everybody involved. It's not like the state capitol only has these two folks that are out of line. We've heard other stories. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a cultural issue down there, and, you know, it got brought up last year. Uh, the Lebsock stuff happened. Uh, these legislators specifically, you know, said that they weren't joking about Dr. Ford's uh, sexual harassment claims. Uh, I'll take their word on that. Uh, but I think to, to the point that, that Penn's making, that it is a, it's a cultural issue down there. And, you know, it's hard to sift through, you know, are these jokes a big deal? Are, uh, you know, the fact that Senator Kagan used the women's bathroom a big deal? Or is it more, the, you know, the Lebsock, stuff like that? And so I think the, it's good that this discussion's going. It should be ongoing. Uh, and I agree that it should be training for everybody down at the Capitol. Patty, do you uh, have any hope for enlightenment under the dome when it comes to sexual harassment issues? Well, I would say the events of this week certainly lessen what tiny, tiny bit of optimism I had. This was the biggest topic we had at the legislature all last year. We've had the group that was out, you know, coming up with a sexual harassment and training policy. They didn't manage to finish that, and that, now that's postponed. I think the last date is supposed to be October 11th. I don't think it's that hard to figure out. You treat people well. You don't touch them. If you're a lobbyist, you don't unzip your pants and put your junk on a pool table. You use the appropriate bathroom. It's not that hard. And it's not that hard to remember, don't make a stupid joke. It's not a constitutional right, I don't think so, to make a stupid joke on social media. Social media wasn't considered then and also be able to be an elected representative. We all have free speech, but that doesn't mean you are free to be incredibly stupid if you are a legislator. We're expecting more from our elected representatives. So yes, everyone should have mandatory training, but that we need mandatory training in 2018 is pathetic. Uh, Craig, I can't imagine that uh, an attorney and radio talk show host have anything to say about the Kavanaugh hearings or anything about sexual harassment at the Hill, but nonetheless, let's see what you have to say. Well. I was prosecutor in Denver for 16 years, and I had a lot of sexual assault allegations brought to me, and I prosecuted several of Denver's most infamous, terrible rapists. But I'm telling you, rape is an abomination, so is a false claim of rape. And I saw Penfield Tate at the gallery. I was there for many hours watching that Steve Lepsock hearing, and what we have going on with Brett Kavanaugh is extraordinary, and it could... There are echoes of it because the accuser, Dr. Blasey Ford, comes forward with a polygraph. I passed a polygraph. Now, Steve Lebsack tried that, and he didn't get any traction. But I'm afraid that it's going to devolve into people t talking about, oh, my God, my wife was raped on a Mexican vacation. We heard that at the Lebsack hearing. Well, was it Steve Lebsack? Was it Brett Kavanaugh? This is getting crazy where an accuser can say, he has to go first. He's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then he can't be in the room when I'm testifying. What about a Sixth Amendment right to confront your accuser? You're trying to take away everything. And I don't think you should joke about this, but the motivation for the liberals, for the Democrats, to destroy Brett Kavanaugh, not just on abortion, but capital punishment. Kennedy was kind of a swing vote on that. Kavanaugh is not expected to be. I've seen the tactics in Colorado capital punishment cases. Anything goes, okay? So I'm worried about this, and everybody should be. Should be interesting to watch. Denver Transit Partners, a consortium of private companies working with RTD to build out light rail lines, filed a lawsuit on Thursday 
against RTD. The lawsuit stems from cost overruns due to delays in getting federal approval of grade crossings and quiet zones, specifically on the A, B, and G lines. Michael, uh, a lawsuit now? If, 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 if there was one more thing that RTD could provide to us as entertaining fodder for this table, we've had everything at the A-line, now it's a lawsuit. What did you think when you saw it? Well, I thought another thing you know, that has to do with the A-line that's a disaster. There were delays, uh, the train's breaking down all the time, now a contract fight. I think the only people that are happy are the lawyers in this circumstance. I think uh, you, know, the, you have the VA hospital and the A-line kind of dueling for what's the biggest disaster out there in Aurora, you know, northeast Denver. Um, and, I, and I think you know, it makes you wonder why people distrust uh, government so much. It's these kind of examples that you see time and time again. So it's disappointing. We'll see how it plays out. Patty, what do you think? I mean, the press release from RTD, uh, uh, DTP was suing for, quote, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. And it comes down to they've been paying the flaggers for the last couple of years and a change of law at the federal level. It's a mess. I don't know if there's a clear way out of this. No, but I think part of it will be, did RTD open the A-line sooner than it was supposed to because they, had, they still had problems with the crossings? That's why we've had the crossing guards out there. I think better than taking this to court would be to have the RTD officials and the Denver Transit Partner officials go hang out at one of those endless crossings and just talk it out while they wait to wave trains by because I can't imagine a more mind-numbing job than those guards have had for the last 18 months. I think some of those neighbors would like them to have those conversations amidst the horn sounds. Yes, have the horns blowing, mm -hmm. too. That's very important. They'd get it settled faster. <laughs> Craig, you're one of our three esteemed lawyers at the table. Uh, where do you see this lawsuit going? Oh, they'll, you know, it'll settle and some money will be exchanged and lawyers will be enriched. But RTD seems to stand for real trouble in Denver because the way they built Take Spear, where I used to work at the DA's office, Spear and Colfax, that intersection doesn't work because they put those mega units there and they want to drive everybody to RTD. But if it doesn't work, wow, we have a problem. Penn, wrap it up for us. Um, the lawsuit will sort itself out. The, the, the bigger issue is RTD itself and the role it plays. Transit is so vitally important given the explosive growth in the front range, but it never seems to work right for us, not on a major scale. And when you see these problems with these lines and new lines open and then immediately services cut back on the line because there's not enough ridership, Maybe you planned and put the line in the wrong place in the first place, which is why there's no ridership. And there just seems to be issue after issue. And, and I feel badly for RTD because it's a function that's really needed here. But nothing quite seems to go smoothly for, for them uh, or for us because we don't get the transit services we need. Time for a very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, I am partly the disgrace of this week because of what I said last week, making a little bit of fun of Jared Polis for his lack of need for fundraising. There's the fundraiser at Ken Salazar's house on September 23rd that Hillary Clinton's coming to. And I've been told that Jared is just being a good sport, you know, to help raise money for the Democratic Party in general when Hillary comes. You know, it's hard to really think about Hillary, especially with all the accusations going on with Kavanaugh and sex harassment and the tailhook and Lang Sias and all these other things to forget you can't forget what happened with Bill Clinton, too. And you can't forget that Hillary didn't do everything in a smart way to win the campaign in 2016. We cannot blame that all on the Russians, but also on the places that the Democrats just didn't campaign. So 
I hope she raises a lot of money for the Democrats. I hope they're all very happy. I hope Jared has a nice time. But I do think the way politics is going, there's a lot of disgrace in how money's being raised. Greg? Through his lawyers, the disgraceful Chris Watts made a number of ridiculous demands on the Weld County prosecutor. He's a disgrace, his despicable crimes, and to blame his late wife, Shanann, for the murders of Celeste and Bella, that's outrageous. It calls for capital punishment. Penn? Um, I agree with Patty. I agree with Craig. Joint disgraces. The only thing I would say is I, I don't support capital punishment under any circumstances, but what's happening in that case is reprehensible. Michael? Uh, a VA official in Denver was charged with bribery in connection with contracts for medical equipment. Uh, and I think it shows the problems in the VA are deep, and uh, this is just another unfortunate example. Time to say something nice about somebody. Patty? We have two extraordinarily great free events going on this weekend and next week. This weekend, Doors Open Denver, where you can tour the Rossonian and 60-plus other buildings around town all free over Saturday and Sunday. Well, there are some paid tours. And then Startup Week, which starts Monday, which has an incredible number of free programs that emphasizes entrepreneurism, but a lot of other things. So go to everything you can. You're here. Craig. Thank goodness in Colorado and America, the economy is growing great. Growth, lower unemployment, the Trump bump in the stock market. Talk about legalized wagering. You would have made a great bet if you bet on Donald Trump because he, and he wants the stock market to go up, and it is. Penn. Um, sort of on Patty's theme, just our community, Great American Beer Fest. Um, the U.S. American, uh, Mexican Council held a wonderful concert last night with a bunch of um, Latin American groups and the Colorado Symphony. You really need to see that combination. Um, Veronica Barella and her groups, their Civil Rights Award last night. And then um, the Blue Bench um, operation in terms of dealing, um, talking about and having the same conversation about hashtag MeToo movement. That was a great luncheon. Michael. Uh, Larimer County Commissioner Lou Gator uh, passed away this week. He was 58, had nine kids, uh, seven grandkids. He was a, a man of strong faith and work ethic, uh, and he's kind of the kind of person that you would want your kids to grow up to be. He ran for governor, correct? He did. Yeah. Yes. Wow. A quick reminder, we continue the election season every Friday night at 7 p.m. with Colorado Science and Both Sides of the Story, our high school debate series. Next week, we tackle Amendment 74 and the property rights issue at 7 p.m. Do not miss it. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.